Father, that's who you are. You always made a way for us. And every promise that you ever made, you kept it. And you are the light in the darkness. God, we can't see it sometimes. You still know it. We can't even feel it sometimes. And you still do it. That's because you're way maker. And we're here today because of that. It's a pleasure to see you. It really is. I I look forward to, to speaking with you and and being able just to let the Holy Spirit speak through me to you and the Holy Spirit in you agree with me because the Spirit is in me is in you. So we wind up agreeing with each other. Why? Because of what the Spirit does. It's just so good to have you. And uh, you know we we've gotten through some of this uh, real cold 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 weather. And uh, things seem to get, you know, you know when it's cold, when it hits 40, it's a heat wave. You know what I'm saying? It's just a heat wave, man. So it is, I, what I want to do is I want to get right to the scripture. And, and, and I like this because as I get a chance to prepare uh, a message and, and say, Lord, you know, what it is that needs to be spoken today? Uh, once you dive into each one of the words that's there, then you step back and you say, here's the subject matter. But God, what's kind of the theme here that you're trying to communicate? And this, this title means a whole lot. So I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to take it lightly because it's a title that's addressed, Transforming Light. Transforming Light. But, but, but in order to kind of lay it out to you, let's turn over to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read verse 9 and 10. But we're going to read it in the content, in the context of verse 7, all the way down to verse 10. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, which is in verse 7, I'm reading from the New American Standard here, it says therefore. Now, the therefore comes from uh, chapter from verse 6 all the way down to verse 1, which means you go from verse 1 to 6, when Paul begins to talk about being an imitator, okay, being an imitator, which basically means that the bride, like I said last week, reflects the groom. And in that reflection, there is something that is revealed. And in that revealing, there is something that is produced. And so from verse 1 all the way down to verse 6, when he says, be imitators, he said, now you imitate, you reflect. There's something coming out of you that's producing something. And the world should be able to see that. And so when he says in verse 7, therefore, he said, therefore, do not. This is a negative in order to deal with a positive. He said, do not be partakers with them. And so you have to go to verse 5 all the way to verse 1 to see what he wants you not to be a partaker of as a bride. And then he says this, uh, still in verse 7, move to verse 8. For you are formerly darkness. Now why is he saying that? 
Because there's something about darkness and light that does not mix. Because when you get light and darkness together, you know what they call that color? They call that silver. They call it gray. Okay? And when it's gray, that means gray is not showing any kind of purity. Gray is just a mixture of darkness and light. And darkness and light, they don't mix, to be honest with you. And then he moves on then, and then he says this. He says in verse 8, you will formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now walk as children of light. Now, just giving you a little bit from last week, I think that's real important. Just giving you a little bit from last week, and that's this, okay? Now, you understand, when he uses the word walk, he's saying conduct yourself in this manner. He's saying behave in this way. Not because of what's not in you, but because of what's in you. Now, that was a phrase that uh, some weight guys over at CSU used the other day that really captured me as we've been doing Bible study. He says, look here, man, I don't want you to play because you hate what's in front of you. I want you to play because you love what's behind you. I mean, that caught me. And it's been ringing with me the whole week. I don't want you to hate the guy in front of you that you're trying to beat, but I want you to play because of the guy that's behind you that you love, okay? And so what, what Paul is getting at here in this verse, he's trying to say darkness should not be in you. What should really be in you is the light that drives out the darkness because when you walk, you're walking as children of light. Now, what did I tell you last week? I even had you repeat it to me. I'm not going to ask you to do that this time. But when you walk as children of light, there is something that is displayed to those who watch. And that display should be able to come in two ways. That display should not only be coming what you say, but it also be coming what you do. Guess what? It also should be coming from your attitude. Because what we've learned about attitude is attitude is settled, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on, my attitude is still going to be right. Let me say this to you. You need to get a heavy teaching on this guy named Joseph who was in the pit, who went from there to prison, and from the prison to the paddle, and his attitude never changed throughout that whole journey. Not one time. Because this kid was walking in the light. This kid was walking that even though he was in a deep pit that was dark, watch this, he was in the pit that was dark, but guess what? He wasn't dark. He was in the prison that was dark, but guess what? He wasn't dark. And now he's in the palace for the first time. He's got all the resources that he needs to do everything that he needs to do, but his attitude never changed. So when Paul says here, right in verse 8, walk, conduct yourself as children of light, now he's getting ready to make a statement at verse 9 and verse 10. It's as if he's saying, I'm not only going to tell you to walk as children of light, but look here, I'm getting ready to tell you why. See, I'm getting ready to tell you what's in light. And I'm getting ready to tell you, if you're walking in the children of light, then there are some things that you can look at to measure whether or not you're in the light. See, God just doesn't say that and just hang there and just say, hey, just walk in light. Well, Lord, what does that mean? Well, let me show you what it means. Then that's where verse 9 and 10 come into play. It says, for, all right, in verse 9, in parentheses, for the fruit of light. Now notice that. 
for the fruit of the light. How do you know that this light is in you? Well, because you should be able to what? See fruit. Did you ever see it? Now, once again, it's not about what you think. It's not about how you feel. It's not about your environment. That fruit should be in you. Why? Because light is in you. So here's what he's saying. The fruit, okay, of the light, this is the season of my Bible. He said the fruit of the light consists of all three things, consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. It consists of that. So, so, so I'm going to make a statement before I go to another point here. It consists of all fruit, of all goodness, of all righteousness, and all truth. All of it. That means from Genesis Revelation. That doesn't mean this truth is coming against that truth. It means all truth. It's saying righteousness. There's no such thing as your righteousness and my righteousness. I don't have a righteousness of my own. I have a righteousness that is based upon faith in Christ Jesus. You hear me? That's all righteousness. And then when he says all goodness, he means goodness up and down, in and out. It doesn't make any difference. So you don't have your own goodness. You do not have your own righteousness. You definitely don't have your own truth. So if the light is in you, it's going to consist of all goodness, all righteousness, and all truth. Are you hearing me, saints? Are you hearing me at all? Now think about this. That means then that that light is constant. It doesn't go out. That means that light is consistent. It never stops. It's the same kind of character. That means that that light is consuming. That's what it means. Now, now I gave an illustration last service about the light switches over there. Now, now, we don't have a whole lot of light up here, so I have to bring my own flashlight a little bit to see a little bit of words that I studied with. And so what I'm saying is that if I, if I don't have that light, man, I can't see this stuff. But that light is in this what this, 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 this little uh, you know light thing, whatever they call it, because it's got a battery in it, flashlight, it's got a battery in it. That battery produces power. And the only reason why that power is unleashed is because I hear a little switch when the light comes on. Let me say this to you. You got five or six, seven, eight switches here that control all the light in this room. Those switches do not determine the light. I want you to hear me. It doesn't. The light's determined by the power. All the switch does, what does it do? It releases. Does that make sense to you? So, so what I'm saying is, you got light in you. It's existing right now. The question is, what are you doing to cover it up? What needs to happen that so that the bushes can be removed so that that light will shine? That's all you got to deal with. And so, as I, as, as I quoted this uh, little hymn of old that we used to sing in church, and, 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 it's, and it's a hymn, you would stand up and people would be clapping, and they didn't have all the instruments that we had today, but they'd just be clapping, going, man, this little light of mine, I'm going, and they had rhythm too. I let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, and they would be just clapping, you know, here we go. This little light of mine, you know, 
I'm gonna let it shine. They said three times. This the light of mine. I know y'all laughing, brother. I'm gonna let it shine. You know, but this the light of mine. Here they go. I'm gonna let it shine. I love the last part as a young man growing up in church. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Now, why was that so important? Because the word let was the subject. doing what God tells me to do and I'm supposed to be doing, 
then the needs of other people get met because I'm pleasing him. I'm pleasing him. And so what Paul is getting at is love. You need to put effort towards learning what it means to please God and lessen some of that other effort of trying to make man happy. Because you're going to get disappointed. You know why? That's like building your emotions and your feelings on sinking sand. Oh, it doesn't mean I'm not trying to please my wife. I'm not saying it in that thing. But what I'm saying is when she becomes the object of my pleasure, instead of letting God be, oh, Tracy, you hear me at all? Okay, I, 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 I want you to say, yeah, if you don't understand that now. But, but, but when, I, when I'm pleasing him, the people around me get taken care of. Because I get out of the way of how he deems to bring pleasure to them. Did you hear that? I get out of the way. See? I, I, I don't want to become their pleasure button. See? I don't want to become their, their commercial. But if I'm pleasing God, then I get out of the way. And therefore, he touches the people around me. Because they see something in me. What do they see? They see light. And it's from that light that if there's darkness in them, then they'll have to go deal with that. But if there's light in them, there's an agreement. I want you to follow that. We haven't even got to the meat of the message yet. So it's important for you to understand these words that I'm about to bring to you. I want you to understand the word fruit because it means something. Fruit basically is an offspring or something. Fruit says, just like it says in John 15, it says, man, if you stay hooked up to the vine, guess what happened? You will bear fruit. He says, my father, I'm the vine. My father's the vine. Verses, watch this. And every branch in me will what? Bear fruit. See, you need to know that you are a fruit-bearing organism. That's what you are. So he's saying there's something in fruit that you need to understand. That's why I put it in the sentence. The second thing the Holy Spirit put in the sentence was this word called light. Now, what does the word light mean? We're going to look at that. It's going to have a lot to do with making things clear, pushing out the darkness. Now, I told you last week, darkness gets its definition from light. Darkness basically means the absence of light. Okay? Now, and then you look at the word consistent. What does that mean? There's something that's repetitious about that. And then he says something about a triadic moment here. The word triadic is when you got three words that connects to say something. Now, here's the beauty of triadic this. Triadic says if you remove one, the other two cannot exist. See, you can't have goodness and not have righteousness. You can't have righteousness and not have truth. You cannot have truth without goodness. Do you get that sense? You just can't. So when you hear people say, God told me, that doesn't accept anybody. Because I want you to know if God told you, listen real close, saints, it'll have those three things in it. Oh, you following me? Neither one of them missing. You, you, you can't pull a truck card and say God told me that. Because if he did, guess what? God is constant, God is consistent, and God is all-consuming. All right. Amen? So we're talking about character. We're talking about competence. We're talking about chemistry. And you hear it all day from believers. God told me this and God told me that. But when you go examine it, all those things in it. Gee, 
see, I like the Bible. It tells you what to do, and then it tells you how to do it, and then it tells you to do it again. <laughs> Are you with me? Tell you exactly what to do. Then it tells you how to do it, and then it says, okay, repeat it. Because I want you to become a vessel of it. I want you to become an imitator of it. I want you to be able to see this. And when people look at you, they should see those things forming in you. And then when you get to the second part and you see the word trying, that the word talks about effort. Now, we're going to pull all this together in just a moment. But I want you to leave here saints understanding something. And then it says you're trying to learn. What is it? You're trying to comprehend something. That means you're trying to put something into practice. And then it says, what is what? Pleasing. Now, we're going to use the word pleasing. Pleasure. Now, I'm learning this. I'm learning this. Now, sometimes I use myself as an example, and that's really not good all the time. Because I don't want to exalt myself. But, but, but a lot of people don't even know what I want to see. You know, I've gotten rid of this sugar thing. It's pretty much most of it's out of my body. And my clothes are falling off me, okay? But you know what's so good about that? Anything that's got sugar in it, my body reacts to it now. Okay? And my body is saying this. We are enjoying you because you don't put as much sugar in it as you used to. See, it has pleasure. There are things that don't happen anymore because of it out of my body. Now, I eat normal sugar that's coming fruit and things of that nature. But you know what, man? It's good to get up with no headaches. It's good to get up with no drowsiness. It's good to get up with none of that blasphemy stuff. And I didn't know sugar had that kind of effect on my body. I didn't know. Now, that's me. And I'm not an alien. Maybe that happened to you. But let me look here. I feel better. I think I'm a little bit healthier. Okay? Because my body is pleased with the way I'm treating it. Okay, now watch this. There's a lot of pleasures that we seek for the body. We really do. That's why we put food in it. That's why we're attracted to other people, all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something, man. When you see this word pleasing, the pleasure that God has for us far exceeds any pleasure that any man or woman could bring. You know what? You're going to be living in that pleasure for all eternity. And you think what some of the greatest pleasures there is on earth. You only experience those for a moment. But God says, my pleasure you will experience. Watch this. For a lifetime. For all eternity. Saints, do you hear me all on that? So, so he said, pleasing the Lord. How do you please the Lord? Think about that. God is saying, do you want my pleasure or do you want the pleasure of man? Do you want my pleasure or do you want some temporary fix that you got to come like the woman of the well and come to get water every day until hearing Jesus says, I've got water, honey, when you'll never have to come back to this well. That's pleasure. And that's the one he wants us to see. Why? Because there is something about that light that brings pleasure with it. There's something about that light that brings fruit with it. So let me just say this to you, and then we're getting ready to hit some scripture here. 
and hopefully we'll land the plane in just a moment and have some communion today. But check this out. When we talk about light, we talk about a transforming light. Now, we're going to go through several set of scriptures here. And I'm asking you to apply this to your life right now. Not after you get out of this room. Not after you go home and start eating chicken or whatever you're going to have for lunch. I'm talking about right now. Apply it. See if this is happening to you. So the first thing we're going to look at, we're going to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, when you look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, there's going to have some ingredients from verse 9 and 10 in it. But listen to it. Look at it. It says, therefore. Now, he's saying therefore because the other 11 chapters was about the law. It was about what you would call Christianity in the constitution of the law for the Christian. It says, therefore, I urge you, man, I am pushing you. I am telling you. I am beseeching you guys, ladies, saints, brethren. He says, by what? The mercy of God, by the grace of God. God is sharing his mercy on you. And he says, to what? Watch this. To present yourself. Remember in verse 10 when it's saying, trying to learn, that is effort. He said, well, look, man, present your bodies. And when you present your bodies, man, you are what? You are making it available. Now, can you make your body available for light? I'm asking you that question today. Are you making your body available for light right now? Because a lot of times when light comes, we don't want to hear the truth from anybody at this point. He says, you present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. When you talk about living sacrifice, there's an active what? Effort. There's an actively asserting yourself for good. Sometimes you just have to turn the TV off. Sometimes you have to just stop looking at stuff. You know what? Sometimes you just have to stop thinking about stuff. You have to actively assert yourself to say, I am not going to do that. Stop it. You ever told yourself, stop it. You ever do that? Try it. It'll help. It'll help. Get out of there. Hey, don't go there. Get out of there. You ever said that? I'm talking to myself that way all the time. I'm so glad my wife don't see me or anybody else don't see me. Stop it, stop it, stop it. So, so that there's an exerted effort. It is. And, and it says uh, to and what? To, to, to a holy sacrifice. And it says acceptable what? To God. That means to. I am not saying no for the sake of saying no. I am saying no. What's this saying? For the sake of pleasing God. That's my motivation. Not for the sake of pleasing me. Alright? And so he says this. That is your what? Spiritual service of worship. Now that means conduct by being a conduit. So if I'm a conduit for the spirit, then I can live out the conduct of the spirit. Saints, did you hear that? A conduit. So that you can do the conduct. That's all it asks you to do. And so in that, in that first part, what, what, what we see here is why Paul is writing so that when verse 9 comes up in the book of Ephesians, Romans 1, uh, 12, 1 and 2 can tell you the background of that. Now watch the second verse here. He says, and do not be conformed. The word conform is this. Don't be influenced by your coastal side. Don't be influenced by your group. Do not be influenced by the thinking of the world. Christian, sometimes we can think like the world. Let me say this to you. You know, it's kind of hard to tell a world to change when all the race 
whether you deal with abortion, whether you deal with uh, adultery, whether you deal with money, all these kind of things. When you look at some of the statistics in the Christian faith, they are just as high as those are in the world. Divorce the whole thing. So how can we as believers tell the world to change and we're acting just like them? Church, you hear me at all? Okay. That's why I'm important. Now look at that's not guilt. I'm just saying you got lighting you to turn that around. That's why Paul, when he confronted Peter in Galatia, and Peter was sitting up there eating chitlins and homeballs, man, with the Gentiles, and, and, and all of a sudden Jews show up, and then Paul and Peter, Peter kind of pulls back. Peter was conforming. And guess what Paul said? Peter, why have you acting like a Gentile trying to get the Gentiles to become like Jews when you're acting like them? What he's basically saying, how in the world can you try to get the non-Christians to be a Christian when you're acting just like a non-Christian? Did you hear that? That's what he's saying. And the way we solve our problems is like the world sometimes. The way we solve conflict in the Christian faith is just like the world. We ain't no better than them. So he's saying, look, man, don't, don't become sumophysized. Don't become the song of your environment. He says, but what? Be metamorphosized. Become who you were transfigured to be in the first place. Now, I used this example last service, and I used the example for this reason. Paul didn't, God didn't have to change Paul that much. That man had a fervor for getting rid of Christians. That dude was angry, man. He wanted to kill him. As a matter of fact, he approved of some of them being beat, being hung, and put in jail, and even put to death. That guy had a passion for it. Now think about it. That boy ran into something too. You know what happened to him? He ran right into the light. And it knocked him off of whatever he was riding. <laughs> Just knocked him off. And guess what Paul wrote? Guess what God changed? All he changed was his purpose and his motivation and his intent. The same Paul who desired to destroy the church was the same Paul God used to build it. Come on, saints. Same thing. Change By the light. And let me tell you something, man. When the light hit him, it hit him hard. It hit him hard. God used his same passion, used his same fervency to build the church instead of destroying it. And he hit it. And so when that light hit this dude, man, it transformed it. Okay? There was a power, it was purifying, and it was a beam. So whether or not it was a beam or a light or a flashlight, it doesn't make any difference. He wasn't talking about the shape of the light. He was talking about the genuineness of it. It's a purifying light. So that no matter where you go, ladies and gentlemen, saints, no matter where you go, demons in hell tremble when you walk into place. That's the kind of light you've got. 
No matter where you go, your friends. I mean, I remember one time when, when, when Dr. Graham, God bless his heart, rest his soul, started playing golf with some of the dignitaries around the world. And there was one story that somebody told one day, and this guy was actually on Johnny Carson when he told him that. And he was actually playing golf with Billy Graham. And it just said, basically, at the end of the golf tournament, the guy said in a raging voice, I am so tired of this guy trying to push down my throat Christianity. And this guy said this on the Johnny Carson show. I'm just so sick and tired of that uh, goody two-shoes, you know, mushy, mushy stuff. Now, when they interviewed the guys who played the round with Dr. Graham, Dr. Graham didn't mention one word about God during the whole round. Not one word. And yet, this guy was annoyed just by being around him. And he went publicly said it. And they asked Dr. Graham, he said, no, I didn't mention Jesus. I didn't mention God. He said, man, so the way I swung, I probably should have used his name. <laughs> but he never said one word. And that guy was annoyed because of the Saints, are you following me at all? You've got that light in you. It's there. It don't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It's there. Yes, it is. It says, but be transformed. Why? By the renewing of your mind. So that you may do what? So that you might prove something. Y'all say we don't have to prove anything. Yeah, that's not true. You've got to prove that you're walking with him. And you'll do that in a certain way. I'm going to show you that in just a second. He said, did you prove what, what? The will of God is. And that which is, here we go, good, acceptable, and perfect. If it's not perfect, it's not good. If it's not acceptable, it's not perfect. If it's not good, it's not acceptable or perfect. Those triads are all over the Bible. They're all over the Bible. That's the reason why when I sit down and deal with people, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, my apostolic heart looks for consistency. Man, I'm a behavior science. I'm always looking for the behavior that follows the words that come out of people's mouth. And I'm always looking at the words that come out of people's mouth and see if their behavior follows. That, that's just the way it is. Including myself. There has to be some consistency. There has to be some proving. Sometimes I prove I'm a knothead, you know. I, I, I just make stupid mistakes. Sometimes I prove that I'm not walking in light. Sometimes I prove that the darkness has got me. Sometimes I prove for one moment my wisdom is really not flowing. But here's the key. How many people are willing to admit that as a believer? You know what? I was wrong. How many times you hear in Christianity where people say, I was wrong in my discernment? I blew it. No, 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 no. Before we go back to these other two verses, because we, we, you know, we, we're a little bit more than halfway through, so, so stay patient. Okay. Is that I want you to understand, okay, that, that, that God wants to be a conduit. Wants you to be a conduit for him. 
And he wants you to represent him consistently. He doesn't want you out there as a billboard saying something that's not him. He dealt with Peter on that. Because on the one hand, Peter was what? Peter discerned that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On one hand. And then five minutes later, Jesus is saying, Satan, get behind me. Because Peter don't want this dude to go to the cross. In five minutes. So, man, we have to let this light shine. Because he doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. Let the light shine. Now, here are two other verses we're going we're gonna to hit, and then we're going to come back to 9 and 10. Then we're going to close this thing, okay? Because we're on the downside of the second half here. Let's now uh, look at uh, Colossians. We're going to look at Colossians 1. We're going to look at verse 9 through 12. But look what it says. For this reason, just like Romans 12 said, something that he said preceded. You know what he's talking about? In that first chapter, that first uh, eight verses, he's talking about the supremacy of Christ. He says, now for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, the gospel, we have not ceased praying for you and to ask that you may be what? Filled with what? The knowledge of his will. The knowledge of his will is that light shining in you, revealing to you the whole counsel of God. Then he moves on. And he says, in all spiritual wisdom, we can talk about that. If you look at uh, James 3, verses 13 to 18, you can see the depth of that. And then he said, and understanding. The word understanding means to get up under that which you're standing and see what it looks like. And then he says, so that you may what? Here we go. Walk. Conduct. Walk in a manner worthy. How, 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 how then can I pronounce him and walk something totally different? How then can I pronounce him and think something totally opposite? He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Here we go, to please him. Not Johnny, not my wife, not my kids, not Jesus, not this city, not coaches, not my boss. Him! He's the one that's got to be pleased and watch this. Some aspects. Partly, maybe one for ladies and gentlemen, in all aspects. Now that's heavy duty stuff. <laughs> you gotta love this. Hey, y'all gotta love this. This is truth, man. I'm not here to beat you down. But in all aspects, he say, bearing what? Fruit. I should be able to examine the fruit and see the reality of what's on, what's happening. Because let me tell you something, man. You shall know them by what? Their attitude. You shall know them by how much money they got, about what they say. No, you shall know them by their fruit. Okay? And then he said, in every good word, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all power, love that word, according to his what? Glorious might, for the what? Attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, I like this part, giving thanks to the Father, that's why I'm doing it, to please God. Jesus said, everybody who's seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said, now watch this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't even speak on my own initiative. Now look out, this is Jesus now. I only say what God tells me to say. I only do what the Father tells me to say. I wonder what would happen if my life was governed like that. 
only talk when God tells me to talk. I tell you what, if we only talk when God tells us to talk, we'll have a pretty silent church. <laughs> because if you had to wait, man, that's something we all, that's patience we just don't have. He said, giving thanks to the Father, who what? Who has what? Qualified us. Now, I like the word qualified. See, God doesn't call the qualified people. Listen to me. He qualifies the call. I want you to understand that. Who was qualified? Who qualified us to share in the inheritance, watch this, of saints in what? Light. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do before we go to this last scripture and start winding things down here. Okay, this is my first closing. Okay. All right. Uh, would you be so kind to take the template of light and the fruit that it bears? And would you lay it on the situation that you're dealing with right now? Would you be so kind to do that? Hmm? I would challenge you to do that. All of you looking at me. Would you do that? Would you be so bold and say, God, I'm going to lay this template of light right here on my situation. What I'm thinking, what I'm behaving, and what I'm doing. And then watch what happens. You will be astonished at times on how far off you are. And you will be amazed at times how far off other people are if you're measuring by the same template. But here's the good part. Because of the light, you will be astonished of how white on you'll be when you yield to the light. Isn't that amazing? God just don't leave you hanging there. Hey, man, I'll put this temple on. You know, man, I'm wrong. You know what? Ah, this situation don't look good. But because of the light, it not only expels, but it exposes. And it frees. See, that's the beauty of it. On the one hand, it'll show you something that's not good. On the other hand, it'll make everything else right. Are y'all hearing that saying? If you're really searching for truth. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm rubbing my head in or hair up there. <laughs> so let's go to the last one. It should be it should be Hebrews 6 instead of 16. That's my era. So we'll just read it to you. In Hebrews 11, 6, that's my era. I was wrong. That was a misprint. And so when you look at the 11... Hebrew 11, 6. It is concluding something when it's called the Hall of Fame. And it says, as a matter of fact, I don't read. It may have been Hebrew uh, 11, 1 through 6, and I just blew that. But see, I can't make excuses for that. I was wrong. Okay, here we go. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, verse 1, uh, and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, uh, Abel offered to God a, a better sacrifice than Cain, through, through which he obtained in the testimony that uh, he was righteous. God testified about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up for obtain, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, 
He was pleasing to God. Now watch this. He was pleasing to God. Now here we go. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you want to please God? Now look here. You got some disciplines. You got worship. You got prayer. You got reading the word. You got giving. You got witnessing. And all that must be done through faith. Because that's the place. That's important to understand. Paul says, man, I don't have a faith that is dealing with the righteousness of my own. But it's a faith in Christ. And then he says this, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must You're trying to learn something. You're trying to learn. And when you 
try to learn. Let me just read this to you. It's called proving something. Proving basically means to put to the test for the purpose of approving. And having found that the thing tested met the specifications. Laid down by the test. Then to place one sanction or approval or the thing or the person tested. That's all it is. Can God lay his sanction on you? And can you watch him lay his sanction on something when you see goodness, when you see righteousness, and you see truth coming out of it? So here's the whole purpose of the message today. Transforming light is nothing more than the character of Christ bringing competence to the church, which brings chemistry to the community. Character, competence, chemistry. That's what it does. And if you let that light shine, man, if you let it shine, it'll do just that. It'll tell you whether or not you're off base. And then if you're off base, it'll put you on base because you'll get a chance to see it. So, what we're going to do here in closing is we're going to get ready to share communion with you, okay? And I want you to know the importance of what communion brings. And so, what we're going to do is take up our offering, and then we'll share in this communion together. Now, uh, We'll pray for the offering. And communion, eh, communion is another one of those responsibilities that God put in front of you and I. And he puts that in front of us for a reason. Because it helps us remember. It also helps us not forget. I noticed that those two words are synonymous. He wants us to remember what he did for us, but not forget the point that we keep doing it over and over again because now it comes to a point of reconciliation. It comes to a point of being reconciled because every time I get to communion, man, now I got to think about that life. I got to think about what we did. But what we're going to do is take up our offering and then I'll share that with you and we'll come up and take communion. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you for the opportunity to God to release. To take just a portion of what you've allowed us to do. And God, this is financial. It is. Because it's about releasing that which we possess so that it will possess us. And we give it. And we give it as an act of worship. And all we ask you to do is bless it because our heart in giving it, Father, should be for one reason. Because you asked us to. And then if you choose to multiply, which you will, they follow with forever grateful. And so when you bless this offering, in Jesus' precious name.
let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, yes Lord. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We see, we make a miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Yeah. Uh-huh. 